You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski. Chapter 17, Ain, May, 2005. Mark! I yelled. He was across the field, talking to Jack and walking slowly towards me. Has Jimmy called yet? The work on the site was progressing. Along with George's grant and the one I brought in last week, my small amount of money had grown to a modest size. Mark's team was still here along with a few other young, fresh, graduated archaeologists I'd hired through the university internet. All were working in various stages and places around the site. I took care of the finances, budgeting, and paying the workers and bills, with advice from both George and Mark. But this project was mine. My name was on the account, and I was signing the checks. I paid Mark's students a stipend, and to save money we moved from the inn to a rental in Fort William. The four members of the ground-penetrating radar team were residing in Mrs. Dingleberry's inn. I'd hired a security company who had someone on site all the time, but I still wanted someone I knew there, especially overnight. Hendy and Matt were not the only ones who slept there now, to give them a break, we all took turns spending the night now. The sun was overhead in its rise to its zenith. We were in short sleeves, taking advantage of the unusual warm air, and I shaded my eyes to see Mark. He stopped talking to Jack, the head of the ground-penetrating radar team, and waved to me. Jack and his equipment were here for the rest of today only. We'd been able to use the GPR longer than usual because George had called in some favors, but it had to go. I couldn't afford it any longer. Both Mark and I felt the urge to work until exhausted trying to get as much of this site mapped as possible. The underground scanning followed a spiral grid system. The outside edge of the hilltop fort was charted first. Then we followed the spiral to the center where we assumed the village square would be. We'd located the site we called the smithy, a building with large fire pits, and started excavating it as soon as it was mapped. One fire pit contained small pieces of charcoal that had been burned in an intense heat. When we picked them up out of the clay that now held them, they almost turned to dust. I knew the smithy had worked both bronze and iron from the heat of the fire that it took to make this charcoal. I believed the bronze bowl containing ashes that I found in the cave, the raven bowl, was fashioned here. If I were given one wish, I'd want to meet the villagers who lived here. What did they say when they got up in the morning? I tried to envision the women who came to the well and wonder if they gossiped like me when I met friends at a coffee shop. I often picked up a handful of dirt and imagined who'd walked on it and whom they loved. Maybe, just maybe, Jana and the man she loved and her child had left footprints here. It was such an honor to be allowed to see through her eyes occasionally, but oh, gods, how I wished I could speak to her. I had so many questions. Jack says they'll pack up about four this afternoon, Mark said as he walked to me, brushing his hair from his face. His full head of copper hair had a bit more white in it, I thought, smiling to myself. I'll have to remember to tell him about it tonight. It was our turn to sleep in the tent. They've got one grid left to map and found the edge of what looks like the wall of a large building. Super, I said. It might be the Chieftain's Lodge. I'd hoped we'd find it before they left. How probable do you think it is that your tomb's chieftain lived here? Mark turned to me with a look of incredibility. What? That tomb is several days away in their mode of travel. Why do you think they would bury him there? No, Ain. 
Mark said, shaking his head. I don't think there was much chance of that. What gave you that idea? I was thinking about the bronze bowl I found here and the one I found at the tomb. She led me to both, Mark. Jonna led me to both. You want me to tell you that my tomb is now part of your site? No, there is no connection. Just because you had a dream? No way! I said I understood that you believe in your dreams, but dreams or not, I don't think they could be connected. Okay, Mark, okay. I was just wondering, talking out loud. You're a bit testy today. What's wrong? Nothing. He turned to walk back to the tent without looking at me and said, By the way, Jim's office called and he'll email you his report this evening. My breath caught in my throat. Now I'd have a date and finally know what the contents of the Raven Bowl were. I knew in my heart what or who it was, but now I could see my beliefs validated if only in my own mind, which was good enough for me right now. Wait, Mark, did he say anything? When did he call? Why didn't you tell me he was on the phone? Only a few steps away he stopped walking, pivoted, and faced me, his face dark. After a deep sigh, he resignedly said, Actually, I didn't get to talk to him. His office called. About an hour ago, while you were indisposed. I'm sorry I forgot to tell you, but I've been busy here too. I knew you'd check your email later, so I guess I figured you'd find out. How can I check my email later? You and I are going to be here tonight. I wouldn't have seen it until tomorrow. Oh, crap. I forgot we were out here tonight. Well, it wouldn't have been a disaster. You've waited this long. A few more hours wouldn't have hurt much. Now I suppose you'll want to go into town tonight. Since it was my fault for not telling you Jimmy's office was on the phone, then go. I can stay here alone. I stepped closer to Mark and he took a step back. Mark? I've been on pins and needles waiting for this report. You know that. Why are you acting this way? Are you angry about something? Oh, I got a call from the university and I have to go back for the next term. I want to go to Wales and look in on that site. Doug said they found coins from the early first century. That means it's a site where the Romans had a fort during and after the time of Queen Boudicca. How exciting! Exactly the time period you love. No wonder you want to be there. I should have been there for the discovery. There it was, a load of bricks on my back. He blamed me for not being there, and that's why he was angry. It was my fault. Mark, I asked you to stay in the beginning, but we aren't connected at the waist. I can handle this now. We've had fun getting to know each other again, but if you really want to go, then go. Gods, you're sounding like such a little boy. His face turned red as he said, I'm up to my shoulders in a dilemma and I don't know how to dig myself out. I don't want to go back to the university, but I may have to. Don't make this more difficult than it has to be. Oh, God, Ain, I've said things today that I really don't mean. I'm sorry. I wish I could rewind the day, but I can't, and right now I have a decision to make. He quickly walked away. What had just happened? Stunned, I watched him go. Words wouldn't form in my head, but I knew I didn't want him to go. I wanted us to continue with our lovemaking and falling back in love. I wanted... I wanted this sight. I had to stay here and finish. I'd no choice. This was my life now. Get a grip, girl. Remember that. I liked having him around, but I didn't need him. Okay, then why does it feel like the bricks on my back were now in my heart?
I wanted to go download the report, so I ran to the van and then remembered the team would need it to get back into town tonight. I slipped into the tent to get different keys, hoping not to run into anyone, but Lori was there. She had a look of pity in her eyes as she handed the keys for the rover to me. Don't worry, Ain, she said. He's tired and angry with the university. He'll calm down. I'll bet all will be okay by tomorrow. Great, everyone heard. I nodded and ran down to the car before anyone could see my tears. The next day, Mark packed up the few things he had in our room. I've decided to go. I've loved being here with you and wanted to be with you all the time. You're on my mind all day long now, Ain. But you won't leave here, and I can't stay. My heart stopped beating. I guess I was hoping for a miracle, but the real world stepped in, and he's leaving. His equipment bag was already in the rover. Did Jimmy email you his report? Mark asked. No, I called him, and he'd wanted to finish one more test, but I talked him into sending what he had today. Good. Look, no one came to the site last night. I left everything in good condition with Tim. Lori, Tim, Candy, and Matt decided to stay here and work for the next few weeks. They have to get back to university for the next term, too. I've given them leave to stay, so you won't be short-handed, but you should hire a few more people soon. You want to get as much done as you can before the end of the season. Thank you. I'll go back online and see who comes up. Outside, Matt waited to take him to the train. Mark threw his bag in, slid to the passenger side of the car, and looked at me expectantly. Christ, is he waiting for me to give in and ask him to stay? Why doesn't he give in? My pride's as important as his. After Brad, I couldn't be the one to cave here. I wouldn't give up my independence and ask him to stay. Not after all my work. Not now. Thank you for all your help here, Mark. It was invaluable. There, just enough to tell him I couldn't have done it without him, but not gushy. It was hard saying that over the lump in my throat. Call me. I want updates, he said. I'm sure my mobile reception is good in Wales. And remember, I'll be glad to help in any way I can. A clean goodbye. No regrets from either of us. No promises made to be broken later. Am I ever going to be able to breathe again? I nodded. There was nothing more to say. Nothing would change where we were right then. I began to miss him as I waved goodbye and the rover pulled away. Three hours later, the report was on my computer, a full description of what we'd found, what I'd crawled into the cave and almost died for. I pored over it for hours, marveling at the pictures of the cleaned bronze bowl. The raven was in the center of the group of animals, flanked by a fox, standing on its hind legs against an oak tree. I saw the outline of a smaller bird in the branches of the tree. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. George knocked on my door about 9 p.m. I hadn't come out of my room, Mark's in my room, since Mark left. If you're wondering, he said, Tim volunteered to stay with Luke tonight. The site is guarded. Come in, George. I'm sorry I'm being such a stick in the mud. It's just Mark. I know, dear, I know. I heard part of it. We all did. I grimaced as he continued. I brought you back some curry if you're hungry. He walked in carrying a plate of food. I'd not eaten all day. Please sit down, George, I pointed to an empty chair. My room, filled with a table, the double bed Mark and I shared, and two chairs, was cramped. 
I was working. My laptop and the pictures we took of the cave were scattered around the top of the table. He scooted a few pictures aside and set the plate down. Mmm, smells good. I didn't think I was hungry, I said and nibbled at the curry. You know, George started, you'll still be able to do what you want to do, work on this site. You have your hands on everything here and you're doing well, just like I knew you would. Oh, George, I know that. I just thought, well, you know. But I have to be so careful after Brad. I need to finish this job to prove I can work. I need to prove it to myself and everyone else who doubted me. Uh, not you, of course. If it's meant to be, then it will happen. Just don't let your pride stand in the way. So many hearts are broken because of our silly pride. Those two words marched through my head. Silly pride, silly pride. I swallowed a piece of dry chicken and slid my laptop around so he could see the screen. Here's a picture of the slate that was lying on top of the bowl in the cave. They were able to clean it up and look how bright the colors are. It's a double spiral labyrinth, said George. Oh, how beautiful. It looks as if its maker painted symbols on the slate around it. Did they say how old it was? I have several at home, but none like this. The report says the contents of the bowl, or now we can officially call it an urn, are human. They put it at around A.D. 80, give or take 15 years. Jim said the quality of the bronze is superb. The bowl itself is very good quality and was engraved by an artist. He said it reminded him of the bowl Mark found in the chieftain's tomb. Huh, the bowl I found, he means. Anyway, Jimmy says he's trying to sex the remains. The cremation fire was extremely hot, but there may be enough left to try. He'll let me know. It's really exciting news. I stopped for a minute, put my face in my hands, and massaged my temples. George, I should be happy, but earlier I remembered what day it is. Donnie was killed three years ago today. Oh my, I'm sorry. I hadn't remembered either. I stood up and leaned to the cupboard where I kept my scotch. Do you want a drink? Mm, no, thanks. I was a bit surprised at this as he was the one who introduced me to Logvalon, but the thought quickly left my mind. I was in the mood to be selfish and not think of others that night. I poured myself a double. My aunt sent me an email. She's pretty good with her computer now. She's in a group that actually plays bridge online, if you can believe that. Anyway, she says she went to the graveyard and put flowers on the family today, even Mom and Dad. She figured they'd like them, too. She said she put yellow roses on Donnie's grave. I sat back down at the busy table facing George. I still don't understand why he had to die in such a horrible way. I remembered the speech given by the colonel when we buried my brother. He stood at attention over the hole my brother's body was now in and had said, Major Donald McRae gave his life and protection of the men under his command in Afghanistan. He laid his body over the grenade when he saw it thrown, so the four men around him could live. There is no greater sacrifice than giving your life so others may live. At this, my mother collapsed and had to be taken home. The colonel came to me after the ceremony and privately told me that he was recommending Donnie for the George Cross. I laughed and asked whether he thought he could replace my brother with a ribbon and a piece of metal. I told him I didn't understand why Donnie was even there, 
and to die there was unforgivable in my eyes. How could he leave Mom and me, and his wife and kids, Craig and Tara? How could he do that, George? Why didn't he just stay in his vehicle? He was coming home the next month. Why did he die? Some things are never going to be understood, Ain. Donnie had a reason. We may never know what it was. Sometimes a man has time to think about his sacrifice, but usually it happens instinctively. Donnie was a brave man. The men he saved have gone on to lead good lives. One has even become a member of the clergy. And through Donnie's children, the family blood will continue. Oh, bloody hell, you sound like Dad if he were alive. Even Donnie's wife came to terms with his death and has taught my niece and nephew that their dad was a hero. I just miss him. I finished my drink in one gulp and coughed as it burned a hole in my guts. Well, I'm sorry, said George. Let me take the plate and go now. It's late. I'm tired. He kissed my cheek and picked up the still full plate he had set down in front of me. I didn't sleep that night. The bed was too empty, the room too quiet, and ghosts were rumbling outside. Two days later, Sunday, George bought train tickets to go to London for a physical checkup. He had leukemia but had been fighting it, as far as I knew, successfully for two years. But he looked more tired than any time since he'd gotten here. I was worried, but he reassured me. It's just a regular thing. I'm sure I may only need to adjust some of my medications. No need to worry. George, I'll always worry about you. You're my rock. I look to you when I'm floundering. Pass your checkup with flying colors and come back, please. It was Sunday, and the station bustled with noise and motion. People were coming home from holidays and leaving to go back to work. I heard laughter, loud hellos, and sobbing goodbyes. The rolling suitcases everyone seemed to have now chased, passed by, and almost tripped me every time I took a step. But I felt alone. Crazy! There were lots of people working at the hilltop. The house was full at night, and I'd already started looking for more people to come. But I felt lonely. George put his arms around me, pulling me close, and kissed the top of my head. Thank you for calling me. I knew you were going to restart your life and was hoping you'd find a place to fit in. I think you've done it here. I'm glad to have a small part in your success. Suddenly, I felt a hollow pit just under my stomach. This sounds more like a goodbye than an I'll see you later. What was he saying? Ain, do me a favor and don't crawl into any more caves unless you have a crew nearby, okay? I don't want to have to worry about you. Okay, I'll be sure I have plenty of rescuers around next time. He walked to the crowded train car door, turned, lifted his arm high, and waved. As I waved, the music slipped into my ears. Somewhere, someone was playing Amazing Grace on bagpipes. A chill came over me and tears ran down my face. This piper played it just like the one at my brother's funeral. George's train pulled away and I hunted for a tissue. Snuffling and blowing, I shook off the feeling of dread that had come over me. Enough of my ghosts. I had ghosts of others to find. I retreated to my fort. Now that you've listened to 17 of the 27 total chapters, I hope that you leave comments on iTunes or PatioBooks.com. I would really like to know what you think of The Fox. 
Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Radaski. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, My Heart Belongs to Scotland, from the album Highland Farewell. His music can be found at www.etherean.com, who, along with Steve, have allowed me to use his music in my podcasts. Learn more about The Fox at www.radaski.com. Oh yes, I know my heart belongs to Scotland Be it not how near or far we roam Yet still I hear the pipes along the way calling Calling out to carry my soul back home We are Scotland, Scotland, Scotland the brave We are Scotland, Scotland, Scotland the Stop them. 